Welcome to the Roboticist Chronicles, an ARC Specialties podcast, where we get into the nuts and bolts of robots, automation, and the implications of an evolving machine workforce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special combination episode of the Roboticist Chronicles. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. And we are starting a three-part series here on the Roboticist Chronicles, looking at, uh, we're going to start off with a wide-angle lens of the robotics and automation industry, and then start to focus in a little bit more as we go throughout these three episodes. We'll hit on collaborative robots and some of the hot-button issues there. We'll get to bleeding-edge technology as well, what's really going on in the world of robotics that people are excited about as we move forward. Uh, But good news for you, listener, Uh, I am not doing this by myself. I have alongside me Dan Alford, president of ARC Specialties. Dan, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. And we also have Scott Barnett, Application Engineering Manager for Robotic Abrasive Processing at 3M. Scott, thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. And then my name twin, Tyler Nats. He is an advanced application engineer for robotics and automation for 3M's Abrasives Systems Division. Tyler, thank you for being here as well. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. Glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to have you guys on, and I'm excited to to walk through uh, this this look at the industry with you guys. And and Dan, let's start off here. You say that robots are perfect for abrasive finishing because they hit all three of the big D, the the big three Ds: dull, dirty, and dangerous. Tell me a little bit more about what that means. Abrasives are somewhat dangerous. You know, you're working with uh, you know sharp materials. Uh, I don't think anyone aspires to uh, sand for a living, so it's obviously a dull job. And then you have all the sanding dust, and so that makes it somewhat dangerous. So that's the 3Ds in abrasive finishing, and, and the robots don't mind any of these 3Ds. Right, and Tyler uh, from 3M, you had some uh, some insight on this as well, just as it relates to workers, you know, and maybe providing a more safe working environment for workers uh, and, and that sort of thing. So kind of uh, talk me through that as well. Yeah, Um like Dan said, dull, dirty, dangerous. Uh, that, that's kind of what happens with abrasives. Um, not all scenarios are dangerous, but uh, you are holding an abrasive tool. Uh, doing a lot of grinding. There can be a lot of dust. It's very dirty. Uh, most applications, you have to wear a lot of PPE, uh, safety gear, just so um, you stay safe when you're grinding. So wearing all this equipment, um, it, it's not very ergonomic moving big grinders around. Uh, it's very dull. You're doing a lot of the same repetitive tasks day in, day out. So like Dan said, there's there's not many people growing up wanting to do this job for, for a living. Um, so it, it can be tough to keep that labor pool up and working for long periods of time. Um, mm. it, it, there's a lot of turnover in this. And um, that, that's why we kind of lean on robotics because we can utilize the robots, bigger payloads, a lot of different benefits and kind of take that dangerous aspect out of it and a dull repetitive because uh, the robot doesn't get tired of it. Right, right. So Dan, kind of give us a sense of the history, where we've been and maybe some of the context for the industry. You know, when was uh, automation and robotics first introduced and how has it progressed throughout the years? I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, here we are in the 21st century and we're just now starting to robotically automate finishing because if you rewind 60 years ago, Uh, one of the first areas of industry where we started uh, automating was in machine tools. And that's where the term numerical control came from. We were automating, milling, turning, uh, all of these things. But 
The difference is way back then, we were imposing our will on the part. That means, you know, we take a big block of metal or whatever, and then we machine a part from it. So uh, it doesn't really matter the outside shape of the part. Well, fast forward to now, and you're trying to do finishing on parts, but we're having to adapt to the shape of the part. And that's the big difference. And that's why it's taken so many years for robotics to catch up with machining. We now have the sensor systems, the compliant tools and such, so that we can apply a constant load and affect the parts in, in it's uh, forcing its will on us. And then we're just having to cope with it. So that, that's kind of the history of it all. So then what took so long for finishing to really catch up to, to what machining was doing? You know, was there technology that had to evolve to kind of make this a little bit more possible? And what were some of those technological advancements? Well, you know, 30 years ago, I did a, a, a finishing project where we were deburring wing spars for a, a large commercial aircraft because after you machine them, there's, there's all sorts of sharp edges. And, and 30 years ago, we didn't have the technology we have now, so we had other workarounds. And the way we did it was uh, we used a large bristle brush. Imagine one of those brushes in the car wash you drive through, except <laughs> if the bristles were abrasive. Okay, and the reason we use this big brush is it's compliant. It's like a broom and it's spinning. And so even if the part changes size to some degree, we compensate with the bristles. Or if the bristles wear to a degree, it compensates with the bending. And so that was our workaround back in the past, but we're no longer having to do that now. We're now having tools with compliance that will follow the surface of the part, either through a single axis compliance or, or even getting into a full robotic multi-axis compliance. So it's sensors and motion control that have come a long ways in the last 60 years. And uh, stay tuned for, for more episodes of the Roboticist Chronicles because we're going to dive into some of those uh, in a little bit more detail to some of that advancing technology in future episodes. But Scott, I wanted to bring you in and, and talk about some of the crucial factors to get right to make people really find success in the area of robotics and automation. So I know it's a combination. And so you got to make sure that you have the right puzzle pieces that all fit together that lead you to, uh, to a successful outcome, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Tyler. It's a lot of people think uh, they call 3M and they say, tell me what abrasive to use. But the reality is, is that uh, uh, it's really not about the abrasive itself. Obviously, the abrasive is a, a very important part of the process, but the right abrasive only matters when you have matching, when you are matching it with the right processing parameters, as well as the right equipment, equipment design, machine horsepower, robot payload, all those factors. And so uh, the only way to get the right process is really to develop synergy between your consumables, your abrasives, your accessories, your uh, uh, processing parameters running the right speeds, the right robot path speed, the right abrasive speed, for example, and uh, as, as well as uh, ensuring that your equipment is designed so it can deliver those types of parameters in a consistent way. That's how you deliver the optimum process. Mm. So, Tyler, I'm guessing that, that people come to you and come to 3M looking for your expertise and looking for guidance. How do you uh, educate customers and, and your clients on the process that's going to work best for them and then the product that can help them achieve their goals? Yeah, um, we, we get this a lot. Um, some are older customers that just have new products coming in and some of it's brand new customers that are just looking how to automate and to, to become more automated, I guess. Um, 
And what we like to do, we like to start off with just kind of what are they doing now, um, just to get a sense of how's that part coming in? What does it look like? What, what challenges are they seeing just even in a manual process? And then we look, jump past the abrasive process. We, we get a little insight of what, what they're using uh, but then we look at kind of what parameters are they looking for for a quality part? Is it an aesthetic finish? Uh, are they just trying to remove a weld that doesn't need to look nice? Just what kind of finish requirements are we looking for? Uh, then after we get a, a look at the part, kind of that finish that they're going for, we can really break it down and optimize for robotics. So Scott mentioned it um, and, and Dan mentioned it even with the tools that we're talking about we're able to really optimize a robotic process different than the manual process. If we try and just say, what tool are you using? What abrasive? And then we copied it and put it right on the, on the robot. We're really not going to show any value. We're not going to improve anything. The production really is, is going to be limited. So what we try and do is look at that incoming part, how they want it finished, and then we go through and optimize uh, with them the, their whole process. Right, right. That's uh yeah that that sounds like a very educational process where you can really work with clients and customers and yeah. make sure that they are able to get to that point where they have successful outcomes in this. Um, now I know that that 3M is co-sponsoring the grinding and finishing conference alongside the Robotics Industry Association, um, and this is kind of a relatively new thing. So so tell me a little bit more about that and why that's such a beneficial thing, Scott. Sure. At the end of the day, the uh, knowledge in the industry about uh, robotic abrasive processing is is really uh, at its infancy, frankly, and and. Uh, it is a fairly complex thing to get right, and uh, we we want and we need uh, industry members to uh, be, develop more expertise in the space so that we can help our, our customers uh, with their processing challenges. And so in a collaboration with the Robotic Industries Association, uh, this will be our second uh, grinding and finishing conference that we're holding. We have uh, key industry members. Uh, coming along to talk about various technologies that are coming, uh, great uh, case studies and examples of uh, successful applications, uh, also in many cases covering some of the inherent challenges and how companies uh, have uh, addressed those challenges. So it's a really great opportunity for a lot of uh, industry members to come uh, share experiences and especially uh, learn about um, things that can be done because we believe uh, there's really uh, two gaps uh, at the highest level today. One is simply a lack of understanding that we can actually accomplish a lot of results uh, in this space, as Dan mentioned earlier. Um, and, and two is uh, delivering some expertise about uh, how best to accomplish those results. So we're really excited. Uh, to have it again uh, in December, and we look forward to having a great, great turnout for it. Yeah, and, and Dan, I'm wondering from your perspective at Arc Specialties, just why uh, these sorts of conferences and, and these kinds of uh, events are really beneficial for somebody like you and, and what you do uh, with your aspect of the industry. So kind of talk me through that process and why these events are, are crucial. Well, we're called a system integrator. You know, we're the guys that are good at robotic programming and fixturing and the application of technology, but I don't think we'll ever get to be 
at the level of expertise on abrasives as our friends at 3M. So we're leveraging their expertise and their materials. Earlier, Scott was saying something about his materials. Uh, and I was going to point out that, uh, for example, the Trizac material, that's one of the ones I really like because rather than uh, slowly degrading on its abrasive uh, removal rate, instead it's always uh, exposing new materials. And so from a robotics perspective, that's great because it continues to cut at the same rate right up to the point that it's, it's worn out. So uh, that's the kind of technology that 3M provides for us. And by going up to Minnesota, that's, that's when we learn about these technologies, learn about these new techniques. Yeah, and, and Dan, you know, you, you mentioned that case study earlier, you know, the, the example uh, from the 80s in the project that you did for Boeing, where uh, it was before electronic compliance control, and you used the, the what you described as the car wash brushes, uh, and, and you mentioned those sensors and um, the, the advancement of compliance technology. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit more about how those sensors work and, and what they do and how they've made uh, what, what you do now more possible? It's only been in the last, I would say, 15 years that the robots have developed a sense of touch. Uh, prior to that, robots went to a position, X, Y, Z, and that, that worked fine when, again, you're imposing your will on the part. But let's say the part varies. And we're not necessarily, necessarily trying to change the shape of the part. We're just trying to finish the shape that it's already in. And so that means our, our robot path is no longer a function of position. It's now a function of force. So the robot has to detect that change in configuration and either move up or down to apply the correct code, just like a human being would do if they were finishing a part, and then follow that part in real time. And, and so it's a combination of two things. It's sensors to detect the load, and that could be anything from uh, load cells to, to simple compliant tools. And then you have to have some way to address this variation in part shape. And that can either be a single axis compliant tool, which is a springy tool, or it could be, uh, you know, use all of the robot axes to follow the part. And, and that's, the, that's the big change in technology is sensors and motion. Hmm. Now, Scott, we were talking earlier just about, you know, what it takes to, to have successful products and, and successful outcomes. And you were talking about just all of the pieces of the puzzle that need to be in place and correct decisions that, that need to be made to lead to those, uh, those positive outcomes. And, and I wonder just from, from your perspective, is the goal for the robot to basically act as a human being would have acted? Or because robots and humans have different capabilities, is the goal to get the robot to act as a robot and perform the best possible functions that that robot can perform? Yeah, great, great question, Tyler. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned, they, humans and robots have, have very different capabilities. And, and humans are better at certain things today than, than robots are. Sense of touch, as, as Dan mentioned. Uh, but technology is advancing such that robots can start to see when, when you add vision to them. They can start to, to feel, like Dan mentioned, when you add uh, compliance and force control to them, et cetera. So um, certainly robots are building a better and better, uh, more and more capability. Uh, but robots also are significantly better than humans at a range of things. And, and that has to do with uh, uh, consistency, repeatability, and obviously, uh, capability to uh, deliver payloads at a much different level than a human could. And so when we think about all those additional uh, capabilities that robots have over humans, it gives us the opportunity to do exactly what Tyler Natz mentioned, which is really to work through the process, understand what the customer need is, understand what their incoming parts are, 
and understand what really drives the motivation for their approach to automation. Is it more throughput? Is it reduced defects? Uh, is it simply uh, trying to address the concern with getting labor, et cetera? What delivers the most benefits to them? And frankly, engineer an entire process around that irrelevant is how they do it today to some extent, because how they do it today manually depends so much on humans. And no doubt that process was developed to address some of the constraints and the lack of capabilities uh, that humans have. And so we don't need to worry about that in many cases when we get to robotics. So absolutely our, our drive is to, is to engineer a process that takes the biggest advantages that robots can deliver. Um, and I would say in the majority of cases, when we do it right, looks very different. Sometimes even uses very different abrasive forms than would the manual process. Interesting. Yeah, I wanted to talk about those abrasives uh, because 3M uh, is the supplier of abrasives. And so so uh, Dan mentioned the Trizac belt, and I know there's also the Scotch-Brite wheel. And Tyler, I was wondering if you can kind of explain these products in a little bit more detail. You know, how do they work and what are they designed to do? Yeah, so uh, Trizac, Scotch-Brite, uh, and then our Cubitron 2 products, um, they, they're not only just in belts, discs, wheels. We, we have a large range of all of these a uh, big three, I guess, uh, portfolios, we call them. Uh, Trizac, it's a micro-replicated material. Um, it, the abrasive is kind of layered through, uh, throughout the whole layer. Um, so that way, like Dan mentioned, as the, uh, the belt or wheel or whatever starts breaking down, uh, new mineral is showing so that we get a very consistent cut rate, um, and quality throughout the life of the product. So as it breaks down, you don't have to change your parameters uh, too much to get that same quality result. Our Cubitron 2 is our very aggressive. We have precision shaped grain um, in the shape of triangles that goes and really cuts very, very, very well. Um, so we can put a lot of pressure behind these uh, this mineral, uh, it breaks down and it will fracture into smaller triangles. So uh, it cuts very quickly, very efficiently. Uh, it reduces heat transfer into the parts so we can, again, cut quickly and efficiently um, throughout the life of that belt as well. And then Scotch-Brite is our non-woven product line. Um, it's a very conformable product. We can use it to get different finishes on parts. Uh, that's probably the biggest one we use there, but we can also use it for deburring. Um, bristle product has been mentioned. That's a big one for deburring, um, changing coloration during weld spatter. Uh, it's a very large portfolio. And with these three main pillars, um, we can have very consistent products. They're very predictable. So in robotics, this is great. Uh, we, we tend to stick with our more premium products for abrasives in robotics because we get that predictable breakdown and performance. Uh, it's very consistent throughout the life and it can leave uh, high quality, uh, especially when we can team up all three of these together.
So Scott, I, I was reading on, on 3M's website just about the partnership that you've created with KUKA Robotics uh, to create the ready-to-grind robotics system. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that and what the goals of that of that are. Yeah, so um, in the case of welding, uh, it's been pretty common for people doing production welding to have uh, automated their welding process. There's still a lot of room and a lot of people still doing it manually, but it Robotic welding has grown over the last 20 years significantly. So a lot of our customers are in fact doing uh, welding robotically, but they're still grinding and finishing and cleaning welds manually. Very common for them to do that. And uh, so for them, they've got experience with robotics, but they still haven't applied that experience to the abrasive process. So why not? Well, it has to do with several of the things we've already been talking about. Some of the complexity with dealing with getting the right parameters, the right process design for addressing uh, potential variability of the abrasive as it performs and choosing the right abrasive and matching it up with the right process and frankly, uh, aligning it to the right equipment. And so uh, the partnership we had with, uh, have with KUKA in the development of the Ready to Grind solution we hope addresses many of those concerns and elements such that it provides a solution for customers and perhaps system integrators that are less experienced in abrasive processing as a uh, an option where they don't have to worry so much about how to set up the abrasive process. It's a pre-configured system, uh, comes with the right end of arm tooling to do uh, many abrasive weld processing steps, uh, comes with a customized HMI that has removed many of the complexities with programming and really focuses only on the most important parameters. And so ideally we can bring in people that maybe have less uh, programming experience and they can simply uh, create a path and put in the right parameters into the system. Uh, certainly it also comes obviously with uh, 3M consumables uh, as a starter kit and um, comes with our expertise as well as KUKA's expertise uh, to assist both the system integrator as well as the end user in implementing the process. Dan, I've, I've let you be quiet for, for too long, and so let me let me bring you back in. Uh, you know, the, the, the RIA uh, recently created a system for certification of robot integrators. Uh, why did they do that? What were the problems they were trying to solve, and how does that provide maybe certainty for, for people moving forward? Well, robotic integration is a tough business. Uh, uh, the first one I worked for failed, and many of the others do also. I, I tell people the biggest use of robots in America is dust collection. You buy them, they don't work, and you put them in the back and they collect dust. And, and that just reflects badly on the industry. And so what RA is doing is trying to come up with a system where integrators get to prove that they are actually qualified to do this work, which reduces the risk to the end user. And I think, I think it benefits the entire industry. You know, I don't fear good competitors. It's the bad ones that worry me. Because there's a certain uh, sense in which there, there might still be skeptic skepticism in the marketplace, maybe, uh, about the value that, that robots can provide. And so when there are um, maybe less than qualified integrators out there, that, that might also perhaps tarnish the reputation of robotics and put a bad taste in people's mouth about the industry as a whole, right? So th this this all around kind of maybe helps provide a little bit of, of clarity and uh, legitimacy 
behind, you know, the people that are certified. So then you can go forward and know with certainty that that the integrator that you're utilizing uh, is qualified to do the job they're doing, which I think gives the the industry a little bit more of a robust nature to it, right? Exactly. And I think it's a great program. I'm a huge advocate for it. I remember when I was installing some uh, plasma robots in Russia many years ago, uh, first thing I, when I got into the building, I, I, I asked, what are those machines over there covered with dust? And they were failed robots. And so the customer already had a bad taste in their mouth. They were already concerned. Uh, fortunately, it worked great. We sold them three more over the years. But you know, first, we had to overcome that hurdle of their bad experience with this stuff. So I'm a huge fan of the program. I'd like to see all the integrators uh, take the test. And to be candid, it's, it's not that hard. People fail it, and, and the ones that do uh, shouldn't be in the business. Mm. So Tyler, let me let me wrap up uh, this conversation uh, in this first episode of the series with you, and, and just ask what excites you about the where the industry is right now, and where you see it moving in the future. Just uh, what what motivates you? What's what's exciting about this right now? Yeah, I think it's really exciting because the last 15, 20 minutes we've been talking about all the advancements that have gone on. Um, I. I say even in the last five years, it's really grown drastically. And the amount of people that are starting to look for this um, abrasive solutions with robotics, uh, the need for help has been very exciting because we're busy all the time and uh, there's there's no time off. So it's something that we are very excited to be a part of. Um, and I'm glad to be here uh, with 3M and talking about this with Dan from ARC as well, because uh, they're fun to work with. Absolutely. Well, yeah, let's, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this episode up there, but, uh, but coming up, we're going to have uh, more exciting episodes from this series. So Dan, Scott, and Tyler, thank you for joining me today. And, uh, and yeah, I, I look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, thank you guys. And coming up on the next episode of the Roboticist Chronicles, we're going to explore advancing technology and take an in-depth look at collaborative robots with these same three guests. So make sure you stay tuned for that conversation. We're going to get into the nitty gritty there. So stay tuned for that episode. If you're not already subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you hit subscribe to get that next episode coming up soon. I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Until next time. Bye.